Hello, you're listening to Get Mouthy, the podcast from the Head and Neck Cancer Foundation. I'm Michelle Vickers. Join me as I chat with some of the most interesting people I know who are all linked in one way or another in the fight against head and neck cancers, either personally or professionally. Okay, so today, everybody, we're talking to the most amazing and lovely Joss Harding. And and Joss is a, a dental hygienist who's really passionate about helping the mouths of cancer patients before they have their treatment, after um, and during cancer surgery. And she really is someone who's going the extra mile to improve resources and education around the impacts on cancer patients' mouths. So I think listening to this, and I'm sure that you'll be shocked actually about the lasting impact of oral cancer treatments. And this sort of cancer, as we know, is not often sort of known or spoken about. So Joss is going to give us some sort of details. And I just hope you find it all as interesting as I do when we we have a little chat to her. So thanks so much for joining us, Joss. It's always, I've spoken to Joss before um, about some other things, um, not on a podcast, but it's lovely. Just after chatting to her, we just really wanted to have her on the podcast because she's got so much information and, and a really as we like to have at the Head and Neck Cancer Foundation, a plain speaking about these issues so that we can all understand it and know what may or may not be in store for us on our journey and what the issues are for patients who have this type of cancer. So first of all, just, I'm just going to say hello and thanks so people can hear your voice because obviously otherwise I'll just talk over you. <laughs> so hello and lovely hello. to have you on. Thank um, you so much for inviting me. You are most welcome. So can I just ask you what first, obviously you're a dental hygienist, and what what first sparked your interest in helping cancer patients and what ultimately caused you to launch uh, Mouth Care for Cancer Patients, which is um, a book that, that Joss has brought out, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. But what was it this, this, that started this and what caused you to do this, to create this book? So it's been a real learning journey. So thank you for inviting me and allowing me to speak as I can. So um, and just share more knowledge, really. So it's that it's about sharing knowledge. Um, I started my career in the dental world in um, 1987. And obviously, I was working with quite a young cohort. Everybody's averagely 40 years old and younger. So the chance of actually meeting a head and neck cancer patient at that time is quite rare. Um, the chance of actually meeting any cancer patients was actually quite rare because they're quite, a, you know, young, fit males and females. So it was interesting. So through my nine years, I learned what I learned. Um, once I'd qualified as a hygienist, I was a dental nurse firstly. Once I qualified as a dental hygienist, that was it. My career at that stage, there was no sort of career pathway so I qualified which was great Um, but once I left the Navy after nine years I then found I was treating a much different um, cohort of people and um, with their own stories and journeys of Mm. what they have to experience through life so I was noticing through the odd patient or so that a few were coming in and were telling me about their journey with cancer so that was yeah tick that box and off I went Um, My first um, experience of head and neck cancer was my late father's um, best friend, Terry, who'd had surgery on his tongue. And I was like, oh, gosh, because I hadn't really heard about it. Even if I look back at my book that I was given for my prize um, as a a best student was uh, there's nothing in there about head and neck cancer. Mm. There's nothing in there about cancer. There's certainly nothing in there about caring for uh, these patients. So it really 
tapped into me about how can we look after these patients because they're all mentioning how rotten their mouths are through treatment but then the ongoing journey for an awful lot of them and especially for our head and neck cancer patients who have radiotherapy so it was just really interesting to sort of start going to lectures and asking questions because I'm one of those irritating people at the back that goes can I just ask this question please and they (laughs) say well the information's out there it's quite easy to get hold of and I was like well I'm not finding that easy to get hold of myself and I want to guide my patients you know I want to give them the right evidence-based information and know that I was doing the right thing for them and it's interesting the conversations you have with people And I initially wanted to do a leaflet after going to a presentation because I had at that stage, I had two head and neck cancer patients in general practice that I used to see post-surgery. And I was getting lots of my patients who were coming in now to cancer treatment for other things Um, because we're living longer, which is fab. But then there's often, you know, other medical things that crop up on our way. So it's all about lowering the risk, really, of problems. So gum disease and tooth decay um, going onwards, because dentistry, as we all know, is not cheap. It's never been cheap and it's certainly not cheap now. So it's heavy, heavy on prevention now. So it was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. So so you were saying about these sort of challenges that people have while they're going through this and coming out the other side. So what are the sort of big challenges that people are facing sort of on a day-to-day, day-to-day basis, like, um, you know, you're having treatment, what might be the changes that are happening in your mouth? So it, this depends on the types of treatment you, that you have. So you have to bear in mind there's over um, 200 types of cancer and there's subtypes to those cancers. So then you have 100, over 100 types of chemotherapy and then you have radiotherapy wow. potentially to some of these places. So yeah. depending on the person, depending on the kind of drug they're being given, kind of treatment they're given depends on what kind of problems they're getting. So the problems they could get is oral mucositis, so soreness of the mouth. So this can go from grade one, which is a little bit of soreness to grade four, which could be potentially fatal. So mm. soreness can really range. And if your mouth is that sore, can you actually keep your mouth clean? Are you able to brush your teeth? Yeah. Are you yeah. able to eat? Are you able to speak? Are you able to swallow? For chemotherapy patients, this might be short term. This might be just for a period of time after they've completed their treatment. And then it may subside. But some people, as we know, are living longer and they're in and out of cycles for the rest of their lives. Are yeah. they going to get these potential side effects? Who knows? Radiotherapy patients, especially head and neck cancer patients, their radiotherapy will affect their salivary glands. I think up to well, potentially up to 97% of head and neck cancer patients have dry mouth, xerostomia yeah. long term. Again, yeah. that affects their ability to eat and socialize and halitosis, so bad breath and tooth decay and all sorts of other things, other complications which can be long term. And, and how can someone like you help them? Sorry, Joss, but how, no. can, how can a hygienist help help you with that? At what point are you stepping in with those patients? Well, generally, we won't see them in the hospital environment while they're going through treatment. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, if they've had enough notice before they start treatment. So this is for yeah. general cancers. Hopefully, if they've had enough notice, they can at least make an appointment for a checkup. Yeah. See if they've got any sharp teeth, any dentures that are ill-fitting. Yeah. Maybe some fillings that can be sorted. If there's extractions, they can be done with enough time for their mouth to settle down before they start treatment. And is that Head part of normal? Is that part of normal practice? And I'm asking this because my friend who's um, just coming out of chemo, she... I know that she after she was diagnosed, she had she had to have loads of stuff. You know, she was having sort of catch up, I guess. And one of the other um, guests I talked to on the podcast, she described it as prehabilitation, sort of like getting your 
getting every, your, everything in your house in order, so I suppose, really, before that starts. So people will be hopefully but directed to go and have their teeth looked at or whatever before they, they go in to start their, their, their journey, I suppose, really, of treatment. This is a postcode lottery unfortunately right. so I've okay. worked I have worked in the past really hard with the cancer nurse at the hospital here and they're brilliant so we we connect they ask some questions they do a little presentation for all of their uh, cancer patients with a little prehab um uh, powerpoint and they asked me just to put two or three slides in there which I did and they said the one thing they always get asked about is about dental treatment about dental care yeah. before people yeah. start because it's not generally known and to be honest is it is it priority not for a lot of people before mm. they start their treatment they're on their journey thinking about tons of other things yeah yeah finances you know mortgages all sorts of things family youngsters they, they've got tons of stuff teeth well if they're not hurting them they're not going to think about them yeah so it isn't often until they get into their journey they start to notice the side effects yeah. potentially um, we have that I, I i i noticed that a lot of our um a lot of patients um and even some of the surgeons we've spoken to have said you know we don't tell them we we don't dwell on the aftermath of what might be going on in their mouth because because obviously the patient's thinking well I'm I've I've come out the other end I'm alive you know and that's their main goal is to be alive but quite often the long the long-term thing afterwards is how do I cope with eating swallowing um maybe you know some of our patients have to have quite a bit of surgery obviously in their in their mouth um as well and are left with lack of teeth or holes or things like that and it's it's all it's that bit afterwards which I think you're absolutely right that people are just relieved you know they're just kind of like I've had my treatment now but it's that now I've now got to survive like this and this new way is my new normal and it's a lot to get used to sort of that that new normal you said before that it's a it's a bit of a postcode lottery so does that mean that not all patients will have access to a dental hygienist no so not well generally they won't see a dental hygienist in hospital unless they're a head and neck cancer patient not all of the max facts departments have a dental hygienist they might have a dental nurse who can give really good advice as well they might have a very well qualified general nurse or cancer nurse specialist who can give them some advice or pointers where to go to that is a bit of a postcode lottery that depends on how they fund the position um but it's not to say that advice can't be given by other people you know it certainly can be you know so it's all about collaborating making sure that if they can't have it within their hospital they have access to it somewhere yeah you know hopefully with lockdown and covid and like zooming and things people are able to hopefully get hold of more information they were before yeah Um, yeah that's brilliant and one of the things we did um we did some um research i think it was last year we did it tail end of last year we found that about 85 percent. i'm really interested to hear what you say about this again but 85 percent of dentists and 78 percent of dental hygienists reported providing um annual oral cancer examinations to patients aged um 40 and above and and my question is is that enough enough you know is that percentage high enough and why don't you think it's a hundred percent why why aren't a hundred percent of dentists and hygienists doing this annual um oral 
or a cancer examination or are they doing it and not telling us I suppose well, that's another so thing that's the thing with the research is that are patients aware of what's being done yeah. to them? have they been told so some professionals are worried about saying the word cancer I'm not worried about saying cancer I'm happy to talk about HPV I'm happy to talk about teeth and sex and the whole thing um yeah. I've kind of got over that now and patients from 18 upwards I will feel their head and neck and I'll say have you had this done before if they say yes fantastic you know why we're doing it yeah. and I leave it to them to tell me and some of them say oh lumps and bumps some of them say oh they're checking the jaw joints some will say oh they're not sure what was it you said you know so they don't want to be embarrassed yeah. they don't know but then that's my window my little door to say this is what it is it's a cancer Fantastic. screening everyone are grateful yeah. they're grateful yeah. so I don't know why it's not 100% I would love it to be 100% it yeah. may well be higher than that percentage because it's not been discussed what's yeah. been done and why yeah so, I suspect yeah. that that I think and I think, like, as you say, there's a reticence because we don't want to scare people, you know, of what we're looking for. But for us, obviously, uh, Head, uh, Head and Neck Cancer Foundation, we would love people to know just so that it raises awareness that this is a possibility when you've yeah. got lumps and bumps, you know, or, yeah. or something out of the ordinary. So we would we would obviously really like we'd like people to we'd like practitioners to tell their patients this is what I'm actually doing. And if they're not doing it, obviously, we'd like them to do it. So one thing before we run out of time, because I know you and I just could just talk to each other forever, is I wanted to ask you about your up and coming book, which I know is going to make a massive impact. I, I Honestly, I really know that. And I, can I just ask you, why did you start that project and what did you want it to achieve? What was the what was your purpose in it? So during lockdown, I started at the Max Fax department, our local hospital in um, January 2020. So just before lockdown. And I set up a MaxFax uh, Facebook group because many of us hygienists and therapists are working in surgeries on our own. We don't have other colleagues to talk about good days, bad days, patients, types of patients, different things like that. So I decided, I raised the question in the group, should we just create this little leaflet so we've got different topics in there so we know about our other healthcare professionals that we're working with because there isn't a book out there for it. So the first patient you see in MaxFax is your first patient. Mm. You have your general knowledge, you have your training. However, you haven't got anything a little bit more specific that talks about psychology, that talks about all the yeah. problems that these patients have. So we decided, as a group to start it so it started with 15 topics it's now gone to 49 topics there's wow. authors from all over the uk from the us lovely prof mcgurk has given us a lovely yeah, chat yeah, prof, yeah. i'm just over the moon that all these people are just so willing to share yeah. their expertise in this book so we've got this book to grab it's going to be phenomenal it's going to be a great read so you can pick it up and read about radiotherapy proton beam therapy all sorts of different kinds of therapies the psychology of patients and there's four patients journeys in there as well so it brings it all together nicely so it's all very well reading it in black and white but yeah. if you've got the patient journeys in there too it's far more powerful so yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely so where can people learn more about this where can they get hold of it um so it will be in print in january end of january it will be available through amazon and it'll be available through wiley so um i've just I'm over the moon at people's response to it already. And um, yeah. I can't wait to see it in print because reading each of the chapters have been phenomenal. So thank you. That is amazing. So Josh, sadly, we've got to say goodbye. Um, but I know this won't be the last time that we speak because it's a really interesting subject. And it's certainly something um, at the foundation that we're, 
we're looking at sort of after you know after you've been through your treatment what what happens then the sort of what next um so i know we will speak again so it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you and uh, we'll you. see you again soon thanks for being a friend of the head and neck cancer foundation oh, thank you for inviting me michelle that's fantastic thank you for information support and advice including how to check your own mouth Look up hncf.org.uk or follow us on socials, search HNCF.